Thanks for listening to the church at Severn Run Messages Podcast. You can find more information about the church at severnrun.com. Enjoy the message. Wow, wow, wow. It's good to be with you today. And um, we are, uh, so good afternoon, I should say, right? Yes, uh, good afternoon, and uh, we're so uh, glad you're here. Today's been a special day and is a special day uh, for us as we gather. Um, I've been friends with your pastor for a lot of years. Um, I know I don't look it. I'm uh, 29 going on 30, and um, yeah, (laughs) Uh, I think actually Drew's a little older than me. I'm not sure, maybe a little younger. uh, um, We both have the hair issue going on, so... um, so we uh, connect over that, but you know, through the years, our heart has connected in so many ways. And then, as we began the journey of uh, launching the Transformation Center, uh, we reignited uh, on on some things and reconnected, and that led to a partnership with you guys. And we're so thankful for the many volunteers that are already connected with the Transformation Center. You guys are making a powerful impact in the things that we're doing, and um, I'm just thankful for, to have the time to share with you today. So if you'll join me, let me just have a word of prayer and then we'll uh, go after it. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for this opportunity to be together. Lord, I just uh, pray, Father, that you will use this time uh, to speak to all of our hearts, Father, about the cause that matters most to you. And, and Lord, I just pray that, uh, that we'll be willing to respond to you. Lord, our prayer is that we'll go from the place of where we are to the place where you want us to be. And so, God, we commit this time to you for that purpose. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen, amen. Well, I, I want to start off by just telling you a little bit about who we are. I'm going to uh, share a little bit about who we are today and also kind of what we do. Uh, also, a little bit about why we do what we do and how you can join us in what we're doing. And so as we think about who we are, let me uh, share with you that God brought us to the point and really the conviction um, that he wanted us uh, to be on the front lines of the needs of our city in Baltimore. And uh, so that led to a a dream and a hope that God would give us an opportunity uh, to be effective ministers and really missionaries in the city of Baltimore. And as he began that process, he gave me a chapter uh, in the Old Testament in Isaiah, Isaiah 58, which became really our vision chapter and really our vision verse for all that we do. And I want to just take you there for a moment. The chapter's really dealing with uh, a fast that God wasn't pleased with, and then he uh, basically redefined through the prophet Isaiah uh, the kind of fast that he was looking for from his people, and that became an anchor for us um, as far as his vision for, for a Transformation Center. It begins in verse 6, and let me just read it to you. It says, is this not uh, the fast that I chose to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke? to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Then shall your light break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you, 
The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. And, and you shall uh, cry and he will say, here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness, if you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as the noonday. And the Lord will guide you continually and, and steadfast, uh, satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. You know, after reading that, God really kind of spoke into our hearts and saying, you know, this is what I want for you. This is what I want for the Transformation Center, a place that would honor me in this way, uh, to go after people who, who are uh, uh, really just hindered by many, many things in their lives and come alongside of them and share the hope of Christ and what can uh, happen in their life um, when they um, discover that hope. And all of that landed us into verse 12, which really became the word from God, the vision of God, of what he said he would do in us and through us if we were obedient to that vision. And so here it is in verse 12, he says, and your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. And let me tell you something, it only takes two seconds in the city to realize there's a lot of ruins around in the neighborhoods. Lives that have been ruined, the lives that are struggling, um, evidence of years and years and years of generational kinds of things that have gone on that exist among the ruins in the city. But he gave me this promise in the next little phrase. He says, and you shall raise up the foundation of many generations. And we can envision a new foundation being built, a foundation on the hope of Christ and the restoration that he can bring to lives and the, and the new beginnings that he can, he can bring. He says also that we shall be called the repairer of the breach. There's a breach, there's a gap uh, between the hope that so many need and where they live day in and day out. And we believe that God's gonna place us in that gap uh, to bridge that gap uh, to be able to uh, repair that breach and get them to the place of hope uh, in God. And then ultimately, he says, you'll be the restorer of the streets to dwell in. I love that little phrase of that part of the vision, that God's called us to be the restorer of the streets. In other words, neighborhoods are going to be changing and restored. Communities are going to be restored. And listen, I trust a big God, and I believe a big God can also restore an entire city. You believe that? Amen. We believe, without a doubt, that God has called us in the city to be a catalyst of His for what we call transformation. That's why it's called the Transformation Center. When this kind of level of change happens in a person's life, it will bring about in their life a deep level of transformation. And so we believe lives that have already been being transformed but will continue to be transformed, neighborhoods will be transformed, and ultimately our city. You know, when you look at the ruins in Baltimore, it's obvious that we are living in some harsh realities with people's lives. You all live pretty close to the city, uh, so you know a lot of these realities. But let me just remind you of a few of them uh, that, that are just 
um, will grab your heart. The one is poverty. We live in Baltimore with a 24% poverty rate. One out of every four kids in the city deal with some level of food insecurity, which is crazy. Um, we'll talk about that more in a minute. Uh, addiction, you know, uh, Baltimore is the capital, heroin capital of the country. Uh, in, the, in the current statistics, there are over 70,000 people addicted to heroin in the city. Hello. <laughs> That's crazy, isn't it? Education is a deal. Uh, the struggle for quality education uh, is huge. The one school right next to us uh, is so overpopulated. They're slated for 350 kids, and uh, they have uh, 700 kids attending that school. They even recently have been approaching us about renting space because they're just so inundated and uh, not able to give the level of quality that these kids need. In fact, it says statistically that kids in poverty are seven times more likely to drop out of school. And the cycle continues. We, we see also uh, unemployment, underemployment, and a, a large percentage of people who are un, uh, unemployable that have some kind of record in their back that keeps them from getting good kinds of paying jobs. We also see a lot of social justices, injustices in our city, sex trafficking, homelessness, uh, race tensions, things like that, not to mention the violence that's in our cities, as you're well acquainted with, uh, the murder, murder epidemic that's in our city. Uh, Baltimore, uh, statistically, is the seventh most violent city in our country. I just looked at statistics yesterday and uh, tracking uh, the murder rate in Baltimore. In the last 30 days, there's been 32 homicides. See, we believe strongly at Transformation Center. By the way, I have a little bit of an amen uh, corner down here. Uh, yeah, there you go. They're good. Uh, we believe that the only hope is for Jesus to fix this thing. And our desire is to be a catalyst of Jesus for that hope. You know, in Luke 4, when Jesus was beginning his ministry, I want you to hear the words that he shared to describe what he was going to be about and the reason he came to this earth. He says in Luke 4, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, Jesus says, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty and freedom to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty or at freedom those who are oppressed, those who are afflicted, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. You see, there's so many times that we want to wrap ourselves around lives that we intersect with on a daily basis and say, listen, we want you to know today that this is the year of the Lord's favor for your life. There's a chance, there's a shot that your life can change. You know, one of the things that we love to tell people at the Transformation Center is this, that God has a dream for your life. And listen, that dream has never changed. The dream that God planted in your heart, his intention to use your life, that dream has never 
changed. In Psalm 139, 16, one of my favorite verses, these guys could tell you that, um, it says in that verse that while we were in our mother's womb, God planned out our days before there was one of them. So God has crafted out each individual life. He has recorded and planned out every single day of each of our lives. And when we speak to those folks about the plan that God has for, for their life, we're saying, listen, you got to get connected to that. We want to help you get from where you are at this moment to the place where God wants you to be and living out that dream. You know, so often when we say that, they look at us like we're crazy. They're like, what? A dream for my life? They say, man, I, I can't even connect with that. I can't even begin to even fathom what that, that means. I've got so many other things in my life. And listen, I'm just worried about getting to the next day. I got I to gotta see if I got enough food to get to the next day. I got to see if, you know, if I have a drug habit. I got to see if I gotta, got the stuff to make it to the next day. Whatever it is, it's, it's, it's survival mode. They're so far away uh, from the dream, they can't even begin to feel it or taste it or even imagine that it exists. There was a one time down in the kitchen at the Transformation Center where uh, one of the girls who had been struggling with prostitution, and I'll not give you her name, we'll just call her Betty. And so we one of those moments where God just tugs your heart and there's a number of girls that are in that lifestyle that come through our programs and so God just really impressed me one day to just pull her aside and so I grabbed a couple of our volunteers we circled around her in the kitchen and began to speak into her life and God was starting to do some amazing things as far as lining up some potential sources of hope for her and she began to describe her story, and basically she, at nine years old, was mistreated by someone in her family, and that led her to a, an addiction and life on the streets. Uh, however, when she was 14 or 15 years old, she came to know Christ, and she got away from that lifestyle, and she got sober, and, and uh, she was on the pathway of recovery. A few years later, she got married, and then over the course of these next few years, she started to have children. She had up to, uh, I think it was five kids, and then somewhere along the road, her and her husband uh, had some issues that went on, and he abused her, and she left and went back to her old lifestyle, and then found herself unable to sustain that lifestyle and began to sell her body uh, to survive, and here... Almost 20 years later, she's working in our neighborhood at the Transformation Center. And I shared with Betty that day, I said, listen, God has a dream for your life. And she said, I know he does. She said, I gave my heart to Jesus when I was 14 or 15 years old. And I feel that there's a calling on my life that I think about every day. But I'm so far away from it, I don't know how to get to it. I've got this and this and this. And she begins to mention all the stuff in her life. You know, 
Today, my hope is that you and I would be envisioned by God of how he could use our lives to help other lives get connected to him. To take the Bettys of this world and help them discover the hope that's only found in Christ. And so God envisioned us that we will be a place that will help rebuild the ancient ruins, lives that have been affected and have fallen apart and that we'll establish the new foundations uh, for many generations and raise them up on this new foundation and give them a hope and a future like, like the Bible says and the huge spiritual breach between where they are and where hope is would be uh, fulfilled through our ministries in the city and the streets of Baltimore would be restored with the hope of Christ. Wouldn't it be cool if the headlines on the news tonight and in the news in the future would say, there is a God movement in the city of Baltimore. Wouldn't that be awesome? Amen, amen. And that God is about restoring lives. And so I want you to know that um, my hope today is that God would draw you into that. Let me just uh, take a moment and share with you what we do. As God began to reveal his vision and the details of this vision, we ultimately uh, see our ministry as a place that's a 24-7 operation, a place where the lights are always on, sort of like a, uh, a home depot of ministry. You know, anybody that shows up, we have a section and a department that deals with that, or we can get them connected to other local ministries that are dealing with that particular issue. So as God began to flesh out uh, this vision, you know, he began to speak into my heart and he says, okay, here's what I want to see happen at a place called Transformation Center. And listen, do you believe we have a big God? Amen. We have a big God who can do big things. You know, these guys will tell you that um, I'm, I'm always willing to trust God on whatever it is. We have stepped out so many times in faith far beyond our means. You know, I always say either I'm, I'm going to look really good or really bad. You know, I, I told my wife I want my epitaph to read, well, he tried. <laughs> That's what I want. He tried. Um, so God says, okay, here's what I'm thinking. Food and clothing distribution center an addiction center, an education center, a vocational and job training center, a family restoration center, a social justice center, a recreational and sports outreach center, a performing arts and medical center, a discipleship center. So that's huge, isn't it? It's far beyond our ability. It only has to be, a, uh, only is gonna be a God thing whatever happens. And so we began to begin the trail of this vision. And so back in February 2015, we launched uh, Lily's Place. You heard a lot about Lily's Place today, uh, which is our food and clothing distribution center. We wanted to bring relief right away into the community and get to know the community and serve the immediate needs. One of the things um, uh, that ab about uh, Lily's Place and food is this. In America, no one should struggle with food. We don't have a food supply problem, do we? Uh, statistically, if you check this out, of all the food that we produce in this country, we throw away 50% of it. Half of it goes in the garbage can. 
the biggest one item in any dump in any place in this country, the biggest one item is food. So we believe God has called us in this vision to say, hey, we can take food that was going to be thrown away and distribute it to someone who needs it today. And we're kind of bridging that gap. Uh, Dave heads that program up. Um, we, um, we are thankful for that program and what it does week in and week out. And uh, we, we love uh, those who serve there. Uh, thankful for so many here that serve at our Lily's Place. And, uh, and then we uh, continued. And uh, uh, right after that, soon after that, we launched Beautiful Feet into the Transformation Center. It was a ministry that was started at Streetlight, but then uh, was repurposed through the Transformation Center. In fact, Reds is here today that is one of the co-leaders of Beautiful Feet. And uh, that's a homeless ministry that goes out and meets the needs of people on the street. And kind of a new uh, expansion of it a few weeks ago is uh, they actually are now uh, not only doing that, but picking up uh, several folks, eight to ten people, bringing them back to our mission house, letting them take a shower, giving them new clothes, a haircut, a shave, a hot meal, uh, and and sitting down and ministering to them. Uh, we love, love, love what God's been doing through the Beautiful Feet uh, ministry. Then last June, uh, we launched Celebrate Recovery. Um, thankful for uh, Chris Sherrard's leadership there, along with his wife, Lisa, from, you, from right here in Severn, Ron. Um, and uh, by the way, you know, it's interesting that uh, all these people had streetlight in their uh, testimony. So I told the, the former uh, uh, gatherings that I'm here to claim my people back. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Uh, but it isn't a cool full circle how God is just doing a thing and linking us all back in. You know, we're just one big family, folks. This is what heaven's going to be like, right? It's not going to be any first this or church of this or church of that. It's just going to be heaven, and it's going to be awesome. So we launched that in, in uh, June of 2016. God has done amazing things there. And uh, just uh, when we celebrated uh, a year just a few weeks ago, uh, we had five testimonies of people whose lives were changed by that ministry. And it's powerful when you sit there and hear what God has done. And then we have special events like Thanksgiving dinners that we give out 300 Thanksgiving dinners to families. And Christmas, uh, we give away toys and have a breakfast for 150 families and things throughout the, the year we do. On the horizon, though, we have a couple cool things that are about to happen. In the fall of 2018, uh, we're launching a school at the Transformation Center, K through fifth grade. It's going to be called Hope uh, Christian Academy, and it's going to be led by my wife who's down here, Carol. My daughter's also here today, Mallory, next to her. Um, and... Um, Carol is going to head uh, that up, and um, we're excited about that, and we're going to target the kids in that community and scholarship-based um, um, situation for them to go to the school. And by the way, if there's a retired teacher around that you, know, you want to donate a year or two of your life and help uh, with the school, Carol will be glad to talk to you about that. 
Um, also, we have a jobs program that's uh, being developed that we hope to have launched in the fall, as well as some small businesses. So if you're, you've got um, a business or you're an entrepreneur and would love to give input to some of that, we would love to talk with you uh, and, and talk about how we can uh, establish a great jobs program. And if you own companies that would uh, hire from us eventually, we would love to connect with you about that as well. Um, we have uh, desires to get some sports programs up. So you've got a sports background, would want to help us get some things recreational up, a kids program after school, pro all kinds of things that are opportunities. When I talked to Drew, he said, man, I've got resources here and people, and, and um, they can get involved with what we're doing up there. So we hope that you'll join us. Let me finish up by kind of really sharing the heart behind all of this why we do what we do. When we think about that, it's something that obviously God has called us to do. But let me share this with you too. It's also something God has called you to do as well. It may not necessarily be the transformation center, but it's somewhere. The great commandment that God gives us, Jesus mentions it in a couple of the Gospels. But he says this, it all comes down to these two statements. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And when he shared that in the version in, in Luke, there was an expert of the law there that heard that, and he said to Jesus, when Jesus made that statement, he said, well, let me ask you something. Let me get a point of clarification here, Jesus. Who is my neighbor? I find it interesting that he didn't ask, well, Jesus, tell me what this love should look like. Describe this love and how it should play itself out. No, he asked, who is my neighbor? course you know the story basically Jesus gave him a, an, a story and he said hey there was a, a guy that had been robbed and left for dead sitting on the side of the road three people go by a priest a Levite they just kind of go around them and go to the other side but there was one who came a Samaritan who bandaged him up put him on his animal took him down to the local hotel put him up gave the funds he needed for whatever uh, care he needed and said, I'll be back, and if there's more things he needs, I'll take care of that too. Then Jesus looked to this expert of the law, and he says, hey, who proved to be the neighbor? The expert said, well, the one who took care of the guy's needs. The question I think we need to ask today, that is really the heart behind what we do, is we've asked the question, and we hope you ask the question, who is my neighbor? Because I'm commanded, and I'm not, Jesus isn't like saying, uh, this is a suggestion, this is something I would hope that you would do. No, this is something I'm commanding you to do. I'm commanding you to love your neighbor. So just like the expert on the law, we've got to figure out who is our neighbor. And... Um, when we think about that, um, if you drill down onto the story, 
and you begin to really analyze what Jesus is trying to communicate through this story, there's a lot of evidence that you could conclude that what Jesus was saying is that your neighbor is not necessarily someone who lives next to you in your development. Your neighbor, listen to this, is someone who is not like you. Someone who is not like you. I don't know if you've noticed this about humanity, but it's true. All of us are guilty of this. We tend to hang around people who are most like us. We move to neighborhoods of people most like us. We sometimes work with people that are most like us. We socialize with people who are most like us. And when we look at the definition of, of, of Jesus, it really kind of makes us think. Because any sociologist would say, well, that's just naturally the way humanity works. They gravitate to people who are most like them. But when Jesus came, he came to invert everything, right? Because left to our own uh, vices, we, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll naturally... Uh, track on a pattern of uh, including some people and excluding some people, if we're honest. And, and so when that happens, you know, we have to think about, well, if Jesus is telling me to love my neighbor, my neighbor is someone who maybe I'm excluding in my world. You see, we have this tendency sometimes to build this sort of cocoon around our lives, and to separate out anything that's different or anything that's not desirable for us to be a part of. That tends to happen to all of us. And so when we build this cocoon, we can get to a place where all, this, all these things are happening around us, but we can live as if it doesn't exist at all. We can be 15 minutes from the city, but live as if it doesn't exist at all. That's why any of these volunteers that have been to the Transformation Center or worked at the uh, Transformation Center who've come in close proximity to lives that are different than them are affected by that in a great, great way. You see, the heart of God should drive us to those who are in need and sometimes very different from us. He wants to give us his heart of love and mercy and justice and hope and carry that forward. And we need to think through, uh, and it's interesting in this story that um, when, when the uh, person in need was along the side of the road, that out of the three people, the two that avoid it were religious people. <laughs> they were the priest and the Levite. And so it's interesting that that phenomenon still happens today sometimes. And so here's what I believe will change us that changed me. When Jesus looked around him and he saw the reality of what's around him, he made a description of that scene. He said, as he looked at those people, he said, they are distressed and dispirited. And if you ever really look those words up, 
it's, a, it's, it's, it's pretty heavy to handle what he was describing. And he said, they are like sheep without a shepherd. And man, I mean, you can, I, that's the city. <laughs> sheep without a shepherd. And then he said, pray for workers to go into the field <laughs> to love those neighbors. And, and the thing that drove Jesus to that moment earlier in the verse says this, when he looked at that crowd, what he did is he felt compassion. He looked at them, felt compassion, described them as distressed and dispirited and like sheep without a shepherd. And so when you look at that word compassion, let me just give you a broader definition of that word compassion. Compassion really in its essence means this, your pain in my heart. Listen, if you open your heart that way to God, I will guarantee you it will wreck you. It will wreck you. You will never be the same. You feel one ounce of the pain of someone who is in a spot where they've been uh, in a uh, desert for 20 years of addiction. You feel a little bit of their pain. It will radically change your life. You will come out of that cocoon and you will say, I've got to do something about this situation. You see, uh, there's an old artist. Uh, his name was Keith Green. That's aging me. I know I'm only 29, but it, it, um, it was back in the 80s. I don't know how that adds up. but So uh, he had a song, or he had a concert, and I was listening to the concert and in the middle of it, he, he started to, and he wrote some really edgy songs, but he was preaching in the middle of it. And he said this, he said, you know, the church used to be the soup kitchen. The church was the crisis pregnancy center. It was the addiction center. <laughs> it was the, the place where people found hope and restoration that were in these crazy places. You see, Jesus never try to love just one part of us. He wrapped himself around us in a holistic way. We not only have to be serious about their soul and salvation, but we got to be serious about their physical needs and their social needs, their emotional needs, their intellectual needs. All of that is one package. That, that is the target of our love for our neighbors. So today, my hope is that you will say to Jesus, I will love my neighbor, whatever that means. Let's pray. If you enjoyed today's message, feel free to share it with your friends. And as we like to say, love well, live Jesus, and believe big.